This episode of the Kona Shame Veterinary Podcast is made possible ad-free by our friends at Purina Institute. Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shame Veterinary Podcast. Guys, we've got a great episode today. It's me and my friend, boarded veterinary nutritionist, Dr. Raj Nayak, and we are talking about a poor German shepherd with chronic diarrhea and uh, anxiety. You know, I love the GSDs. They tend to be anxious dogs, and anxious dogs tend to have soft stools sometimes. What do we do about it? How do we break this thing down from a nutrition standpoint? Um, let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Raj Nayak. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I am, uh, I'm super excited to talk to you today. I, uh, I, I love having you on the podcast. I have a case that I want to break out with you. Uh, you up for this? Absolutely. I love right, cases. Perfect. I have an interesting, an interesting one. I have a five-year-old female spayed German shepherd named Aspen, uh, who she's, she's, uh, kind of a chronic diarrhea dog. Well, you, I see this uh, client a lot. They're in and out. Uh, Aspen is, is an anxious dog. She's, she's a clinger. Uh, she, she barks when mom's leaves, you know, just, just a regular kind of high strung German shepherd uh, that kind of keeps having these bouts of diarrhea. Mom is, um, a, a bit of a natural path, not, not over the top. She's not, She's not, she doesn't hate medications or anything like that, but, sure. but she is having some concerns about continuing just to medicate this dog to deal with diarrhea. She wants something that's going to be sort of sustainable, that's going to help get these or outbreaks under control. That's not, that doesn't feel so heavy handed to her. And so I wanted to bring that to you and, and have you coach me through this. Uh, Raj, how do you, how do you treat that? Oh man, this, so this is such a good case because this is, I think, a classic case that you're going to see in general practice. Um, and of course, we're going to go through the the initial diagnostic workup of what can we do to figure out what is the chronic diarrhea, what is the cause of the chronic diarrhea, what is the mm -hmm. root cause of these anxiety concerns. But I, as a nutritionist, I almost immediately go to what's going on with this dog's microbiome. Um, how can we modify this dog's microbiome to help whatever other treatment we're going through? And so I think about things like probiotics and prebiotics and how we can actually uh, modify that dog's microbiome to help enhance their recovery. Okay. All right. Let, I want to, let's just, let's un, unpack yeah. this. Cause you kind of jumped, you kind of jumped to a, it was interesting that your mind went there. That's not where my, that's not where my <laughs> mind went. So, so, so I want to, I want to walk with you. Give me a, so, so, so high level real quick, give me a breakdown. Your mind goes straight to microbiome. Tell, tell me about. Tell me about that. Define some terms for me. Give, give me an idea of, of why in the, in, in the disease process your mind goes here. Yeah, the microbiome is really interesting, especially in this particular case, because we have a, a behavioral uh, issue as well as a GI issue. And the microbiome is kind of the definition is, is a, the collection of microorganisms and their genes and that the microenvironment that they're in, in a specific area. And for okay. this particular dog, I'm thinking his GI tract. So this dog's GI tract is the home to uh, 
a lot of beneficial bacteria as well as some potentially pathogenic bacteria that is it's kept in balance normally. And when that balance shifts, we can potentially run into uh, health issues like maybe we're seeing in this dog. So it, what, that, what that shift is called is called a dysbiosis. We can correct that dysbiosis, then maybe we can have an effect on, on this dog's particular issues. Okay. So does, so I think about the, um, what I know about sort of microbiome and, and the, uh, we, we, you know, we talk about the, the GI tract being the gut shock organ for dogs. Is, is that kind of why the anxiety does that, is that why that sort of plays into, into your assessment in this case? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you hear this term like, oh, I have a gut feeling about this particular uh, subject that we're talking about. There is a true actual gut feeling because there is a vagus nerve running from your GI tract up to your brain. Okay. And so if it, there is a strong influence from the microbiota that are in your GI tract on your brain function through various metabolites, through various neurotransmitters. And what's interesting is we now know that with certain probiotics, you can actually affect brain function by altering GI microbiome. And so for this dog, I'm thinking, oh, I, I have this in the back of my mind, all this research on, uh, say, for example, a bifidobacterium longum bacteria, BL999. And if I can use it as a probiotic in this dog, then potentially I can help mitigate some of those anxious behaviors that we're seeing. Okay. Are there diagnostic approaches that you take to kind of look into this? Do you start empiric treatment and see if you get results? Like how, how do you start to unpack that? The nice thing about some probiotics is they're very, very safe. And so you can start them right off the bat without necessarily doing indices ahead of time. But okay. that being said, if you're trying to really work up this dog, there are um, things like a gut dysbiosis index that can be very beneficial before and after you start treatment to say, hey, this is this treatment is actually working to help stabilize that gut microbiome and bring it to a place where we really want it. Okay. Talk, uh, talk to me a bit about sort of about probiotics. Um, walk me through a little bit of the science of, 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 of probiotics in general, and then sort of specifically how we start to introduce them in the case like this and kind of how do we bring that across to the pet owners? Yeah, so probiotics are a bit mysterious. So you, you hear all this uh, this kind of hoopla around them and not you don't really necessarily know how they work, right? Right. So we have the whole goal of probiotics is to change that micro environment in wherever you're administering them. So in this case, we're going to we're going to change the micro environment of the gut. So those probiotics are going in there, they're competing for nutrients with those path- potential pathogens. They're physically blocking the pathogens from attaching to the GI tract epithelium. Um, they can produce antimicrobial compounds and metabolic products that can actually fight off those pathogens. And when we are trying to figure out what probiotic to use, there's a, there's a few actual considerations that we wanna take. There was a study done a few a few years ago by a gentleman named Scott Weiss, who does a lot of this kind of infectious disease research. And yeah. he, looked at, he looked at a few labels of 25 different probiotics on the market for veterinary species. And he found actually that only two, two of the 25, had a label that was accurate 
and actually actually accurately describe the contents of that particular probiotic, hmm. which is kind of you know it it, le- it leads to a conversation about regulation by the FDA and things like yeah. that. But the point is, we're looking for something that we're, is safe. It's viable. It's going to be alive when you actually administer it to the animal, and it's efficacious. So, how much research has gone behind gone into that particular strain of probiotic, and is it done by a reputable company? Because that's mm-hmm. that's really key: quality, safety, efficacy. Okay. So, yeah. All right. That makes sense. Uh, what when we start to sort of administer to our patients and things like what? How many set expectations for the clients here? So, I'm going to talk to them. I'm talking to them about aspen. I'm like, hey, you know, she she she's an anxious dog. We can have these sort of things. I want to put her on a probiotic. In, in your mind, to put this uh, probiotics to use, am I, am I? Is this a daily thing forever? Is this a uh, an as needed? Is it a a pulse treatment, and then we're going to withdraw after we've reset the microbiome? Walk, walk me through sort of the 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 actual mechanics of me putting this into play in in a meaningful way. Yeah, good question. So for acute situations, potentially we only have to do it for a certain period of time. So let's take Aspen's diarrhea. If it's acute, we can do it for just a set number of days. If it's chronic, a good probiotic is actually, what it's gonna do is it's gonna go in there, it's gonna do its thing, and then it's gonna get pooped out. And that's the whole goal, is we don't want it to take up residence in the GI tract. And so because of that, you do have to use a lot of probiotics uh, daily in order to achieve that effect long term. But that's a good thing. That's really, really what we want. Okay. What's the response time on, on treatment like this? I mean, are we looking at, at five days? Is, it, is this an immediate thing? Again, I, people don't get upset about what you give to them. They get upset about the difference between what they got and what they expected to get. So yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to overpromise because you know we've all seen that where I, I, I'm like, oh, I had a, uh, I had a, a, a client call me uh, just a couple of days ago, and he was like, oh, you know, my dog's having these soft stools and things, and and then he listed nine different things that he had done and like all like five different diets he'd been on. And I said, like, when did this start? And he's like, two weeks ago. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, buddy, okay, oh man, and we're gonna start over. But but I mean, again, like uh, uh, that happened. And so like yeah. they, people have expectations in their mind. I, I want to set good expectations. So so help me understand this when when I present this as a therapeutic option. I think a lot of us send home, and I'll, I'll just be honest with this. I when it comes to to GI, you know, upset, diarrhea, things like that. I, I go back and forth with being a good antimicrobial steward yeah. and also wanted to give the pet owner something where I'm like, this is a thing that is actually addressing your problem because I want you to see value in coming in in the visit. And, and I'm just being being honest about how I, I have those thoughts. I know I'm not the only vet who has those thoughts. Yeah. Um, I am increasingly trying to lean on the side of, of, of good antimicrobial stewardship. I know it's important, but I still sometimes worry. I go, oh, what if, what if I send them home and this and this persists? What if you know, what if it takes too long? What what if they're impatient? What if what if it's not what if it's not robust enough for a response? And so yeah, h- help me with that as far as as what expectations I should set in their mind and what I can kind of expect as a, as the doctor treating it. I can't tell you how much I love that you brought up antimicrobial stewardship because it is it is one of my kind of soapboxes. Um, I'll start with how long. You know, usually if we're talking about an effective GI probiotic. Um, and there is, this goes back to a good company doing great research. You have probiotics out there that, you know, we have control studies looking at diarrhea and acute diarrhea in dogs. 
resolves after, you know, four and a half days with metronidazole. But if you use Enterococcus vesium SF68, which is that effective probiotic, that resolves up almost two days earlier. So it it can be highly effective very quickly in, you know, say a little a little over two and a half days. Okay. But I think setting those expectations like you brought up is so important. These aren't miracle drugs and they're not drugs at all. Um, and that's the point. So you have a situation where you can you may be able to resolve acute diarrhea very quickly. Some dogs have to be on this for, you know, say a couple weeks before you're going to see effective uh, control of their diarrhea. And then you have another probiotic that we're talking about with anxiety that you don't necessarily see full effects until up to six weeks after they've started. So if you're trying to manage something like fireworks anxiety, certainly mm-hmm. you're going to have to start that well ahead of July 4th. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. So for, uh, for Aspen, then we're probably talking about a, a, a pretty significant runway, right? If we want to have yeah. maximum benefit and, and we continue to have diarrhea with this dog. Yeah. And so okay. if I, if I may, with the antimicrobial stewardship, Please. I think I, the way you're approaching it is, is absolutely fantastic. And I, I do, I see that need between, I need something that's going to work really effectively now. And with some of those antimicrobial, uh, drugs, things like metronidazole or clavamox, if you use a probiotic at the same time as you're administering those, they may get killed off depending on the probiotic. There are probiotics available like Enterococcus vesium SF68 that are not killed off by certain antimicrobials like metronidazole. And so doing the research to find out which ones actually stay alive is, is very important. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about that with the, with the antibiotics then. So in, in you're saying uh, if you're going to do antibiotic therapy and you want to do a probiotic as a, a supplement to that, right? So I've seen, I, I know with, with people, a lot of times we'll take uh, uh, antibiotics and then start, start a probiotic to repopulate the gut. And do you recommend sort of doing some sort of probiotic therapy through the course of antibiotics? Is this something that we want to add towards the end of the antibiotic therapy? Like, talk to me a little bit about the integration of antibiotics and, and probiotics if we want to use them together. Absolutely. I would start them at the same time if you can. And, and again, key is finding out that probiotic that actually will survive that antimicrobial. Um, the earlier that we can institute probiotic therapy, the, the more likely we are to mitigate that, you know, say antibiotic associated diarrhea that we see with clavamox. In cats, you actually see that if you start, um, you mentioned portiflora at the same time as uh, the as clavamox, you reduce the incidence of diarrhea in these cats. Okay. And so as early as possible is, is my answer. Okay. That, that makes sense. And then we talked to about treating through the end of clinical signs. Um, it, do you usually tell people um, you're, you're in this for, the, for X amount of days? Just plan on it. Do you tell them to continue beyond remission of clinical signs? Uh, so we talked about sort of onboarding with this. Where's, where's the off-ramp? Yeah, acutely, I would say within, you could probably stop after resolution of clinical signs within three days or so. Okay. A lot of these dogs, especially this German Shepherd that we're talking about, <laughs> chances are he's going to have to stay on it long term because right, he's got it. some sort of German Shepherd chronic enteropathy that we would love to diagnose, uh, actually diagnose. Maybe the owner is not going to let us this particular time. Sure. Um, so they may need to stay, stay on it for life. 
Can you? Uh, I I like this this sort of interaction uh, between sort of probiotics and and other other therapy modalities. Talk to me a little bit about about how nutrition integrates into this. So you've got these these diarrhea dogs or repeated diarrhea dogs. Um, are we are we changing that 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 dog's diet to something um, you know that that supports GI health in the short term? Are we leaving them on on their on their regular food uh, to avoid you know transitioning back and forth? Like, what are you, what are your thoughts on 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 changing diet while using a probiotic, trying to get through these these bouts of repeated diarrhea. Yeah, I think that's such an excellent point. Having the right diet there uh, available for that dog is critical because we need to supply that that probiotic with the food that it needs to do its job. Um, and often that that food comes in the form of what we call a prebiotic. Prebiotic is a fancy term for a, it usually is some sort of fiber source, a non-digestible carbohydrate um, that the probiotic can munch on and then create short-chain fatty acids, which are beneficial to the host and sustain itself that way. And so if we're providing the right food for not only the probiotic, but for the pet, him or herself, that can go a long way in, in uh, resolving some of the issues that we're seeing. What's interesting about uh, microbiome research and diet is that when you shift, when you change a dog's diet to something completely different, their microbiome shifts with that diet. And so in the short term, if you're to change to a highly digestible diet, which is often what we'll use for this, this chronic diarrhea mm-hmm. patient, then you are potentially shifting that microbiome back to closer to the baseline for that dog. Oftentimes, these dogs need to stay on that diet long term in order to maintain that that good microbiome, uh, mm-hmm. um, that good kind of microbiome, quote unquote, level for them. Um, but you may be able to change it back once they're actually a little bit better. Okay. Or, you know, what diet am I going to choose for this dog? I think is probably where you're, where you're hoping to go. There. Yeah. 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 That, that's what we're starting to drill into this. I mean, I'm seeing, I'm seeing some, you're sort of advocating, it seems like sort of a, a more high, high fiber diet, you know, as opposed to some of the, uh, I don't know, more easily digestible, fully digestible sort of diet. So uh, yeah. Yeah. T- talk to me about that. I, I think that, so starting out a highly digestible diet doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't have any fiber in it. So that's right. I, I mean, do I, I know I, I heard that coming out of my own no, no. mouth. I'm like, that's not exactly that's exactly what I'm getting at. But yeah, no, it's confusing. It's confusing. You hear this term highly digestible and you think, oh, well, it's just it's just chicken and rice. Right. Yeah. I'll be like that is that is the metaphor in my mind when you say explain this to the yeah. pet owner in a simple metaphor that they're going to get. I talk to them about chicken and yeah. chicken and rice just in a metaphorical sense not in an actual sense but I, i'll be honest and say that, that's kind of what's in my mind yeah absolutely and and i think that's a good metaphor what we remember with these kind of therapeutic highly digestible diets is they're they're complete and balanced so you can feed these diets long term to these pets and they'll be they'll be usually totally just fine as long as they're formulated for adult maintenance but if we have a a dog that isn't necessarily responding to that highly digestible, complete and balanced diet. The next place I would go is that high fiber diet that you were talking about. Um, if this dog has a, uh, a large bowel diarrhea, that's where I'm going. That's, and I think that's an overlooked uh, therapeutic modality for a lot of these dogs, especially this German Shepherd. He's, yeah. Yeah. 
he's he's most likely got just based on his signalment, he's most likely got a large bowel diarrhea. Right. I mean, is, is that is that a, a, a breed specific? Because when I see like the German Shepherds, like I am, it immediately yeah. goes to the, the big thing is, is it's a large breed dog. I, I, I'm for whatever reason, I'm immediately going to, to large bowel. And then the other thing is when I see um, and again, correct me if I'm wrong here. But when I see those 10 and 11 month old puppies that are just kind of having ongoing diarrhea, sort of fiber responsive colitis, things like that co- come into my mind, just just based on the age of the of the pet, are there other? First of all, are there, is that accurate? And then second of all, are there other sort of signalments that that really make you think large bowel? Yeah, I I think that's a really good example and and a good watch out because if you have a ten month old puppy that is having large bowel diarrhea, and and chances are if it's this breed, yes, you're right. Um, that is what we're seeing. We have to be careful with those higher fiber diets that I was talking about because some of them are not formulated for puppies. We have, right. we have a high protein requirement in these dogs. We have other macronutrients, micronutrients that we have to have at certain levels. And the fiber sometimes gets in the way of absorbing some of those nutrients. So what, what I always do is, you know, look at the patient in front of me, right? What can I, what can I do for this particular patient? What have I tried already? And do I, do I maybe need to consult with a nutritionist to come up with a plan that, to make sure that this dog is getting what they need? When you, so when you see those cases, um, again, so especially let's talk about, let's talk about the young dogs, right? Yeah. And we say, Hey, we've got these young dogs this is an ongoing problem. Uh, you know, we, we're trying to increase fiber, you know, we still want to make sure that, that growth needs are being met, things like that. Um, we need to talk to the nutritionist. How, how do you how do you bring that to the client? Like, how do you say to them, "Hey, I know you think this is just some some soft stool that that's going on and on, but we need to bring this other person in and really start to get serious." Like, how do you how do you broach that conversation? How how do you how do you sort of get them on board with the with the changes that we're making? Because now we're we are. We're no longer talking about grocery store dog food. You know, we are a hundred percent into the into the realm of like, okay, this is nutrition, and we're we're doing this, and your dog is special. Yeah, uh, at least in the short term. Uh, give me some give me some some communication approaches to help people explain it and to kind of get petters on board with going on this journey with me. Absolutely, it's such a good question because I think a lot of people struggle with this in, in practice is talking about nutrition as a therapeutic modality. One, talking about it as a therapeutic modality, and two, talking about it as a as a diagnostic tool, potentially. So, you know, the third option that we, we haven't uh, talked about yet is a hydrolyzed or elemental type diet where we are trying to figure out if this dog has a, a IBD or a food mm-hmm. allergy or something like that. And so I always talk to owners about this being something that they're doing every day already. Number one, you have to feed your dog. Yeah. And two, something that we can use as a as a tool in the toolbox. We're gonna we're gonna uh, look at the animal as a whole and tackle things from all different angles. And I think most owners are happy once you kind of explain to them that you're using it as a therapeutic tool and a diagnostic tool. Are happy to to go down that road with you at least for a little while. And you say, yeah. let's reevaluate this in a month and see what's happening. 
no, that that makes sense. I, I do appreciate that. Okay, good. All right, cool. Um, I f- I'm feeling pretty good about where we are with uh with Aspen. Um, I I think I can work with mom and uh sort of explain to her kind of what the plan is and why the plan is. I think I can meet her needs. Are there any um any last words or advice? Are there any uh any any pitfalls I need to look out for? How do you see how do you see GPs get this wrong? Uh, what what can she talk me into? That, that's ultimately a bad idea or what am I, where do I go off the rails here and get myself in trouble? Yeah. It, it's, and it's not necessarily that you, it's not your fault. It's nobody's fault. It's just that we're busy. The follow up, yeah. the follow up is really what's critical. So I can send a, a bag of dog food home with this client or a probiotic home with this client and say, good luck. Or I can have a technician, <laughs> I can have a technician call them back in say a week or two weeks and work through any issues that they might be going through. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll use a completely separate disease process as an example, but obesity is the number one uh, thing that I, number one disease that I see a problem with this for. So sure. we send home a bag of dog food. We say, good luck. We're going to, we're going to get some weight off your dog. And then the owner gives up a weekend because they can't deal with the begging. They can't deal with um, not giving treats to their dog or giving yeah. fewer treats. And then you check back three months later and they're, they haven't done anything with the, with the actual mm-hmm. plan. And same yeah. goes with any other disease process that we're going through. So the follow-up is key. No, that, that totally makes sense. Awesome. Raj, thanks for being here. Where can, uh, where can people learn more if they're, uh, if they're, uh, getting a lot out of this and they want to dig deeper, uh, you know, we, you and I just touched on sort of the microbiome, co- uh, concepts and, and the science that's there. I know that there is a, there is a lot of, uh, of information and education coming out in the, in this realm, uh, help, help people get, get started, uh, unpacking this and, and, and exploring more. Yeah, there are fantastic resources on the PurinaInstitute.com. So PurinaInstitute.com. And then if you're interested in the microbiome, there's a microbiome forum tab that you can click on and and kind of deep dive into all of this. If you're interested in learning more about those conversations that you brought up, Purina Institute has a lot of resources to help you have those conversations about nutrition with owners and I, I really, I point this uh, website out to students, to general practitioners, to specialists often to say, here's how to talk about nutrition. So I am a huge advocate for that um, platform and it's called Center Square that can be found on uh, Purina Institute. All right. Thank you very much. I'll put links to all this down in the show notes. Uh, thanks for, thanks for being here. Thanks for your help. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I did. I, I like this episode. I was jotting notes down. Uh, this is stuff that I'm going to use in the exam room. Guys, thanks again to my friends at Purina Pro Plan Veterinary Supplements for making it possible for us to bring this to you. Gang, take care of yourselves. Be well. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.